The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702. Let's walk the talk. On 92.7 and 106 FM. Money Show is brought to you by Absa's CIB, bringing you insights to unlock sustainable finance in Africa's mining sector. Absa is a registered FSP. Just to give you an idea as to how angry the country is, uh, somebody posting on social media this evening the fact that uh, Transnet has taken delivery of seven full sets of batteries procured by uh, the Richards Bay Coal Terminal, uh, the uh, delivery critical spares will improve the reliability of Transnet's freight rail available locomotive fleet. Uh, brand new train set, says Capital Sigma on Twitter this evening, batteries not included. And, and it's just that, that sheer disbelief in anything government says about a potential turnaround in the South African economy. And it's not hard to see. We all feel it on a daily basis. People are frustrated, people are bored, people are angry uh, by the persistency of the the negative environment in which they're forced to trade. So we'll pick up on that this evening. Uh, We'll talk to Busi Mavuso this evening from Business Leadership South Africa as the president sort of sits with the NHI bill sitting on his desk waiting to be written into law. Um, And uh, the risk is that he signs it. And the group chief economist at Old Mutual, uh, Johan Els, this evening as well, standing by on that one. So welcome to The Money Show this evening. It's good to have you with us. Um, We'll get through the painful parts of the show. We'll also play the Brutal Biz Quiz. We'll bring you some of the best bits from the week that has been, of course, plus our Friday file, as we always do on, oh yes, a Friday. The Money Show. With Bruce Whitfield on 702. 702. The Competition Commission, which is smarting from being told that it doesn't have a case in the currency manipulation saga, today is deciding to go after a struggling poultry sector. Don't get me wrong, just because they're struggling doesn't mean that if they are embroiled in any uh, collusive practices that they shouldn't be nailed. But let's get the view of somebody who knows all of the players really well. Anthony Clark is the analyst at Small Talk Daily and on the line to us from Cape Town this evening. It's hardly surprising, Anthony, that the Competition Commission is looking for answers on food inflation. I think we'd all love that clarity. One does wonder, however, if they are looking in the right place or not. Yeah, good evening, Bruce. It's uh, nice to speak to you on this very contentious matter. And I think anyone listening to your show is well aware of the uh, endemic nature of food price inflation in this country, particularly over the last two years, with many consumers battling to put food in their table and fuel uh, in their tanks. But I think the... uh, Competition Commission's terms of reference document that came out on the uh, 6th of February and the media release that came out today uh, came as a bolt from the blue to a poultry sector, which, as you say, is hardly uh, making any real money. Um, Last year, for example, Astral Foods, the country's largest poultry company, due to a combination of uh, government-related infrastructure problems from the load shedding, water, infrastructure, etc., etc., lost 1.38 billion rand. And here we are today with uh, the Competition Commission going after the sector, quote, unquote, uh, the poultry market that may impede, distort or restrict competition. I'd love to know where they get that information from, because as it stands right now, the market is in slight oversupply. Uh, There is very, very thin margins in the production of poultry in a 72 billion rand a year market. Yet the CompCom is going after a sector which makes basically no money. 
Uh, the commission has said that it's got reason to believe that there are those factors that you mentioned. But, I mean, I see those factors as if, are, if there are factors that distort or restrict competition in the poultry sector, I'd argue that you should be looking at shortages of electricity, shortages of p- uh, potable water, the cost of doing business generally. Those are big factors that restrict competition in every sector across the economy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Uh this seems to be a very easy target. Interestingly, it was uh, November 2019 when DTI Minister Patel signed the Master Plan for Poultry, uh, which uh, saw the poultry sector agree to invest billions of rands in extra production and job creation, which uh, they signed up for in agreement alongside additional tariff protection from imports, principally from Brazil. And over the last two years, they've basically been gutted and slaughtered by the minister and the government by either uh, changing their minds or bringing in some uh, fairly onerous um, policies that have basically gutted the poultry sector to the point, as I said, that last year nobody made any money. And when we have sectors like the bread industry, the canned food industry, amongst others, which make quite reasonable profits, also in what we would call a very tight uh, competitive nature. There's only four major companies that supply 63% of chicken in this country, but are even fewer bread suppliers and canned food suppliers. But it seems chicken is being uh, targeted for the fact uh, that it is an, an affordable protein. So one has to ask, is this an electioneering tactic? One doesn't know. Uh, it shouldn't be, should it? I mean, the Competition Commission should be entirely independent and should be investigating issues where there are concerns around competition. But yes, you're, uh, many people will agree with, their, with your supposition there, Anthony. Um, when we look at the, the impact of these investigations and how long they take and the sorts of conclusions that they've traditionally come to, um, one doesn't hold too much stead. I mean, yes, the bread pricing one was a good one. There were a couple in the construction sector that perhaps were, were also timeiest but these things take an awfully long time there's been one going into the grocery industry for an awfully long time and uh, one feels almost as if these are uh, often fishing expeditions and point scoring expeditions rather than you know investigations that are going to get to the nub of an issue quickly cleanly and actually resolve any problems that might exist in a short period of time yeah that's an excellent statement as i said to my institutional clients earlier when I read the basic uh, documents that came out of the last two days, and I've covered the sector for 20 years as an independent analyst, it does seem, to use a pun, uh, a, a fishing exercise, because anyone who's covered the sector for a number of years and any analyst of note would realize that the poultry sector, by its very nature, has extremely thin margins. At its, at its very, very best, it makes maybe high single digits, and at its worst, it actually makes fat losses. But I think because it's a 72 billion rand a year market and poultry, as we know, is the most affordable protein for, for the masses, one has to have a look at it. But it's quite intriguing that internationally, um, if one looks at what's going on in poultry and major producers like the U.S. and in Brazil, the governments there are encouraging those countries to actually consolidate, to actually form larger combines to bring down costs. And here we are in South Africa, where you would assume the large companies would be efficient, productive producers. And the government is looking to try and potentially break them up or to make the market even more fragmented. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. But one doesn't know what the underlying rationale is from this government. Thank you very much, Anthony Clark, the analyst at Small Talk Daily. He was also on social media earlier today, quoting an unnamed chief executive 
who was responding to last night's State of the Nation address saying, and the CEO, according to Anthony Clark, was saying, unlike Cyril in Wonderland, we give you the reality of operating and working in South Africa. I think there's a great deal of frustration in the business sector, certainly, and maybe you're feeling this frustration as well, that the State of the Nation was all about trying to showcase a reality that does not exist. And those in business, I think, are getting increasingly fed up. Abusi Mavuso is the Chief Executive at Business Leadership South Africa. Did you feel the, the SONA, the State of the Nation address, was an honest assessment of the State of the Nation? Busi, good evening. Far from it, Bruce. It wasn't, uh, definitely wasn't by far. Someone was actually telling me that a book called Cyril in Wonderland is being published, you know, at the moment, because that is precisely what... It, it, it felt like uh, out of touch, I think, in a whole lot of respects with reality. Very long and winding speech, and the president was very predictable in using the platform to campaign for the ANC. You know, it was more a political party statement, you know, than a state of the nation address. It was also quite interesting how the state capture was blamed for the collapse of certain institutions and the decimation of the economy as if it was not a mess of their creation. And then it goes on to praise the ANC for fixing what they broke, you know, absolutely ridiculous. And unfortunately, blaming the previous administration for state capture doesn't cut it because the truth is that there are still too many people in this current administration who are responsible for the state capture. So it's not just the previous administration issue and five years into this administration more could have been done to hold those people uh, responsible and and to hold those people to account but it really hasn't been done you know Um, but anyway once he got into it Bruce I think he was right to emphasize the economic reforms as these are critical to turning around the dire economic performance. I think it was also appropriate for him to celebrate the progress made in electricity reforms because these have really enabled the private sector to invest and much more investment will come with further reforms, including the 40,000 kilometers, you know, of new transmission lines to accommodate the renewable energy that will be built over the coming years. He promised to fast track that process and it will be crucial that he does this as this will enable you know the great investment by the private sector he also pointed to the importance of the logistics roadmap that is key to dealing with the country's logistics crisis and i think it was important that he affirmed the plan as the country's transport logistics uh, true north because the document really represents the best thinking on how to improve our logistics performance mm. but i think on both the energy and transport fronts much more could have been done and the president knows very well that the progress has been minimal because of the resistance of some of his people in government who are currently frustrating the, pro- the process and the progress business wanted key indications of how the blockages will be overcome to improve confidence that reform momentum will be uh, maintained and that wasn't clear you know what was quite disappointing is definitely the nhi i don't know what we think we are hoping to achieve Bruce, by putting into law a bill that we know is unworkable a bill that no, we but here's the thing Busi, i mean i was i was talking to colleagues of yours in the business sector earlier on this week or maybe it was late last week and just saying this feels like another political ploy it's a case of sign it into law knowing it will be opposed by business and then that'll give him a stick to beat with which to beat business and say look we're trying but business you know they're against us they're not part they're anti-transformation they're anti-progress they are uh, pushing back against progress i see is a cheap and nasty stunt i really do because there is no logic to signing a bill into law which is deeply flawed 
No, but then that's deeply dumb if that is what he's doing. You know, it's absolutely <laughs> stupid because then, you know, you can't use that, you know, uh, to try and actually uh, show business up because we know that this thing as it is conceived is un. Workable, you know, it's unimplementable, it's unfundable. You know, the Minister of Health talks about government needing at least 200 billion rands first to fix the hospital infrastructure before they can implement this. Your National Treasury has said, you know, we can't fund this thing, there is no money for it. Now, the problem is that once this thing is in the books, Bruce, it will enter a painful period which will do no good for either the health system or government. Because National Treasury is going to be forced to appear to be attempting to find a way to fund it, despite the fact that there are many other demands on it for funding that cannot be satisfied as it is. Yeah. And you're actually making promises that you know you can't keep. You are going yeah. to create anarchy. People but are going to hold you to it. Here's the thing about the State of the Nation address which leapt out at me was how happy he was to claim credit for things that are going right and many of the things that are going right are as a result of a huge collaboration effort between people like yourself and government but very unwilling to take responsibility for what's going wrong and that is, I suppose, the nature of politics but it's deeply frustrating in a world where we are trying to find some real solutions to some very deep-seated problems. Absolutely, and I think it did that somewhat of a decent job in acknowledging the role of business, but I really think that it did it personally, you know, as if uh, government played or, or the business played a secondary role or an assistant. Business was at the forefront, you know, at fixing a whole lot of these things, and I don't think that we actually were given the credit that is true, but be that as it may, it's neither here nor there. I think our focus is to really try and make sure that the trading environment is conducive because if not, you know, the investment that we're trying to bring into this country is not going to happen, you know, I am often reminded, you know, and I can't get out of, out of my mind, the words of Thomas Kafer, you know, VW passenger cars last year, when he was actually saying at some point, we're going to have to start asking ourselves a question yeah. of why do we continue to invest in an environment or rather produce in an environment, you know, where that is really far from our uh, global market and the real market and an environment that is actually sitting with so many challenges and so many problems. So when all is said and done, you know, it is really about making sure that businesses in this country can continue to, even if we can attract investment. This is about economic restoration and making sure that the businesses that we have here, you know, don't uh, uh, seek other markets uh, 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 where they are going to operate because ours is just too much of a difficult market, you know, as it were. Busima Vuso, thank you. Chief Executive at Business Leadership South Africa. Listening to that is the Group Chief Economist at Old Mutual. That's Johan Elson. News 24's assessment uh, with as things have calmed and cooled throughout the day to 24 hours after the fact is Ramaphosa praises the ANC for rebuilding what it destroyed, um, which is deeply cynical and I think accurate when it comes to you know a, the desperation in the State of the Nation address. You are renowned for finding the upside in these sorts of scenarios, Johan. There are a couple of things that are going right. There are a couple of collaborations that are working, but they are essentially doing, as News24 suggests, fixing what the ANC broke in the first place. What gives you hope in the State of the Nation address? Hi, Bruce. Thanks for speaking to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's not finding the op- it's, it's finding um, the big picture in the noise. And, and uh, let's be realistic. And the perspective is that 
these are politicians, as you rightly said. So absolutely, he was going to um, speak about the ANC's successes over the last 30 years. Whether there's an election this year or not, I mean, 30 years of democracy, that is a big thing. And he was going to spend time on that. But in, in terms of looking through the noise, um, the private sector's increasingly stronger role in the economy through electricity, through logistics. I mean, that is potentially huge in terms of the future sustainable, higher economic growth path. So the failing state and the failings of the state are in the private. The private sector is happily coming in to fix that and to supply us with electricity and to sort out the logistical issues. And I fully agree there are a number of huge structural negatives in this economy that will prevent us from attaining the growth path that we need. But this emerging stronger role of the private sector, that's surely going to help. The private sector is happily climbing in and doing that. And that, that is, as I said before, privatization by stealth. And that is huge in terms of how the private sector perceives the economic conditions going forward. Uh, Johan, thank you very much indeed. Johan Els is the Group Chief Economist at Old Mutual. Yeah, I mean, just no sooner, and the, and the President made reference to this as well, no sooner did he say we're winning the battle against load shedding that we went from stage two to stage four. The RAND going from 12 to 19 to the US dollar and falling through 19 to the US dollar today um, over the last period of the Aramapos administration since uh, Valentine's Day, basically, in 2018. The JSC is up only 25% of that period, um, which is unacceptably low in terms of an investment return. Uh, you and I know that because other markets in other parts of the world have done considerably better. Many of the reasons why those companies struggle to perform in this environment is because it is unsupportive and makes life very, very difficult for companies to achieve their sort of best life, if you like, here on The Money Show. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by APSA CIB. Unlocking sustainable finance for mining across Africa through positive disruption to unearth their clients' growth ambitions. APSA is a registered FSP. The Money Show. The Markets. Uh, Michael Traherne is a portfolio manager at Vest Act and is with us this evening. Of course, the environment is tough. Of course, the environment is awful. Of course, it is difficult, my, uh, Michael. But um, there are some companies that just do it to themselves. And one of those companies is Sassel with another negative trading update today. And rather than flying in an environment where global fossil fuels firms are high flyers, uh, Sassel proving to be something of a lame duck. Yeah, evening, Bruce. Yeah, Sassel down 3.9% today on a not very pretty trading update. Um, yeah, stocks actually down 50% over the last 12 months. It's really been struggling. Um, but they're coming out saying that they expect earnings per share to be down as much as 43%. Um, we'll have to wait until the end of the month to get the exact details around it. But um, effectively, if you build on the, um, the update from two weeks ago around production, um, they're saying that their chemical plants are running at like 75% because there's just an oversupply of chemicals in the global market at the moment. And uh, when you've got these massive fixed costs to keep these chemical plants running, uh, to only have them at 75% outputs are not very good for profit margins.
Yeah, most certainly. Um, yeah, there's a huge amount of pressure, of course, on on Cecil. Uh, Cecil is South Africa's sort of oil and gas play, chemicals play, of course, here as well. So, yeah, complete concern, I think, around Cecil. Although some commentary around Cecil today was a little bit more positive, saying perhaps this is the bottom, perhaps this is the long way to trough. Where are you on that front? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Cecil on a earnings basis, it only trades on like a Ford PE of about two or three. So it doesn't, uh, it looks very, very cheap at the moment. Um, but, you know, Cecil's echoing what other mining companies were saying earlier in the week. Uh, it's very tough to do anything in the commodity space in South Africa when you have load shedding and you have Transnet who doesn't uh, have the capacity to get your, your stuff to where it needs to be. Uh, then the other thing hanging over Cecil's head is the desperate need to bring down emissions, um, and that's not going to be cheap. So maybe there's a reason that Cecil's cheap at the moment. Um, I prefer to stay out of it. Far too cyclical for me, Bruce. Now, absolutely. What about the platinum producers this week, which have come through with trading updates and just the further falls in the prices of commodities that we've seen? Sorry, you broke up there, Bruce. What about the platinum producers? Yeah, the platinum producers, same story. You know, it's very, very cyclical. Got problems with Transnet, problems with, with ESCOM. You know, the platinum guys also reporting a 40% drop in profits, roughly speaking, across the board. Um, what strikes me is these companies were the companies that were producing super profits two years ago, and uh, you know, Stars was loving it. Um, I'm wondering what our finance minister is going to say in two weeks when he presents the budget speech and all of a sudden he doesn't have the tailwind from uh, these super profits from the mining companies. It's, it's, it's tough out there. Very, very tough indeed. Um, U.S. markets, however, keep pushing through barrier after barrier after barrier. Very strong growth coming through in those markets, despite lots of warnings of headwinds and a potential, you know, not not necessarily calamity coming in those economies. But at some point, the debt burden has to bear down. And I know you guys for many years have done incredibly well for your clients as a result of aggressive investment into particularly U.S. markets. Are you at all nervous about the state of play there? Yeah, Bruce, U.S. markets, S&P 500 breaking through 5,000 points yesterday at a new record high as we speak at the moment. Um, research shows that record highs bring record highs, um, and we're quite bullish. <laughs> you know, last year, everyone was uh, expecting a recession, and that never happened. And we stayed fully invested for our clients, and we ended up 52% for our, our model portfolio. So we, we're smiling at the moment at Vestax. Um, but I think steady as we go, interest rates are going to drop uh, this year, which is good news. Consumers are still looking strong. Um, you know, we're not going to see the same growth as last year, but I'll, I'll take a 10% increase this year, Bruce. Michael Rehearn, thank you very much indeed. Michael is a portfolio manager at Vestact, which brings us to half past six. 702. Bruce is on The Money Show. To our Friday file we go, and it's amazing. I don't know if you've done it, but it's your, the 1970s, I think, were cursed by paint jobs. But people have become much better at bringing all kinds of spaces and pieces of furniture and items to life with a good coat of paint. And maybe the paints have improved as well. Not just coatings that you put on walls, but I've found in the past couple of years how 
taking tired old bits of furniture that you're thinking, well, you know, perhaps it's time that this piece went out and you uh, donated it somewhere, but you try a coat of paint and suddenly it's it, it elevated into this contemporary masterpiece. It really is beautiful and lovely bold colors and you, you just need a steady hand, a little bit of patience and somebody else to do it who knows what they're doing and then you get a great job. Uh, one of those people is Ilaria Kissing Low, and she is the owner of a business called Paintiques. It all started, Ilaria, with your your late husband. Yes, hi. Can you hear me, Bruce? Absolutely beautifully, Ilaria. What was the motivation for you and your husband <laughs> getting started on putting coatings on every surface that would sit still long enough? Well, we I'd studied fine art, and I kind of started playing around with some techniques, as did he. And, yeah, the more we played, the kind of more things we discovered. And we started transferring all of that onto pots, onto furniture, onto walls. And that's basically how the business started. And this is 30 years ago and now, it, and it's... It, and it's evolved into, I, th- I think, something of quite considerable scale and, and quite a huge amount of work that you get done on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, we, I do projects from small pieces of furniture to huge murals, um, walls, floors, basically anything that can be painted. <laughs> um, h- how satisfying are the jobs of small bits of furniture and walls uh, as opposed to the murals, as opposed to the more creative stuff, the sort of stuff that you studied at Technicon all those years ago? Um, the smaller jobs are actually nice because they're kind of more meditative. One doesn't have to think too hard. Um, and obviously at the end of every day, the satisfaction is actually seeing what one's done. It's not an abstract uh, career. And then obviously the murals are more challenging in terms of physical, you know, physical space up and down ladders and also doing all the preparatory drawings, um, conferring with clients. Um, But also, once again, at the end of the day, just, yeah, making a client very happy after they've spent years in a building site. (laughs) So it's like the icing on a cake. Absolutely, and a proper job is just magnificent to observe. Are murals still a thing? Do people still do murals, or are they sort of the preserve of kids' bedrooms and stuff? Um, murals are still very in, but they have actually been taken over by wallpaper because these days you can literally find any image and have it printed to scale uh, for your room, so it's quite bespoke. Um, but murals, I do quite a bit for the film industry and for stills. So that is kind of where it is more in demand. Yeah. I mean, the last time I took a drive past that enormous, enormous Cape Town Film Studios set um, just along the N2, and I think it's the R300 as you go towards Stellenbosch, they've expanded and grown and grown, and it seems to be a bustling, bustling place with lots of movies being made. And again, it's counterintuitive to think that, you know, you you think of sort of canvases and backdrops of move for movies sort of being the stuff of the 1930s and 40s, but they, they still use them. Yes. I mean, there's some things that AI just can't do, I guess, <laughs> which is lucky for me. Isn't that a relief? What, is, what has been your biggest commission so far? <laughs> oh, that must be Enigma Mansions in Camps Bay, um, that gorgeous house that um, a German client built. And we literally worked on it six days a week for a year and a half. 
and it was completely over the top with gilded doors and that place was that you sky ceilings you, yes you had you had all the bling but that yes. must that must have been an astonishing project i mean not to everybody's taste mind you but beautifully executed okay. Oh, it was so fun. I mean, we basically almost had carte blanche, so that was really, really amazing. <laughs> Lots of fun. No, exactly. But but the trouble is that you can only go as far as you and your paintbrush can reach. Is there some a business that you can scale at all? Are you able to employ people and bring people in on projects? Or is it all you're, you're a bit like Michelangelo? You can paint as much as you can reach from lying on your back and as far as your arms, as long as your arms are. Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends on the job. I have in the past um, commissioned other artists to help me if it's a, on a deadline job and if I just physically can't cope on my own. But generally, I prefer to work on my own because it's well, it just makes life much simpler. What a lovely story this evening. Ilaria Kissing Lowe, the owner of Paint Teaks. Paint Teaks. And I, I do love the importance of grammar because on her website, she lists her hobbies. And she goes... Music, walking, having fun with my friends and family, going away for a weekend, and cooking my cats. That's what I saw first. And then I went, cooking, comma, my cats. Perhaps an and in there, Ilaria, would be good as well. Cooking and my cats, not cooking, comma, my cats, because it's easy to miss the comma. It really is very easy, but that's me, not you. Um, it's my bad, not yours, but still, it was a moment. Uh, our Brutal Biz Quiz time now, as we like to do on a Friday night. And this gives you the opportunity of testing your grey matter, seeing whether or not you've got your wits about you, seeing whether or not you've been paying attention to the news agenda, seeing whether or not we can outwit, outfox, outsmart, outplay and outmaneuver you as we play the Brutal Biz Quiz on a Friday night. So, on double one eight eight three zero seven zero two zero two one four four six zero five six seven. First question this evening... S-O-L, SOL, is a trading code for a company listed on the JSE. What company listed on the JSE is known by the short trading code S-O-L? Sierra Oscar Lima. What is the full name of that company? Give us a call on 11 the Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702. 702. Brutal Biz Quiz time this evening on The Money Show. SOL, Sierra Oscar Lima, is trading code for which company listed on the JSE? Tokozani? Uh, Sasol. Sasol is absolutely right. Chemicals and Energy Group Sasol expects its full year profits to fall between 28 and 42%. Oh, my goodness me, taking a lot of pain. Uh, what will business groupings tie up in the courts if the president signs for it on the dotted line? They threatened this week to basically rebel against a piece of legislation. Uh, again, Which piece of legislation have business groupings said they will oppose in the courts if yeah. the president signs it into law? Oh, no, I didn't get that one. I thought it was a Dokazani, thank you very much indeed for playing. What about you, Sue? I can hear me. I, I most certainly can. What uh, what piece of legislation are business groupings grumpy about? Uh, the NHI. 
Absolutely. National Health Insurance. The president says he'll sign the bill into law soon, despite threats of legal challenges. Which is the artist, the only musician who has won a Grammy for Album of the Year more than three times? Well, it has to be Taylor Swift, doesn't it? I mean, I couldn't think of anybody else. So, yes, just Taylor Swift would be a good answer. She won uh, the. She won four so far. Midnight's in 2024, Folklore in 2021, 1989 in 2016, and Fearless in 2010. Uh, uh, three great artists have won three Grammys before her. She is now a world leader. Uh, but before her... Frank Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, and Paul Simon have all won the Grammy for Best Album of the Year three times. Taylor Swift becoming the first person to win it a fourth time. What is uh, the UK-founded coffee and sandwich change Pret-a-Manger better known as? Uh, Pret-a-Manger? Yeah, Pret-a-Manger. Yeah, no, it's not. Subway is better known as Subway, Sue, but thank you very much for playing. Yeah, but it's on its way to South Africa, Pret-a-Manger, better known as what? Let's try Paul this evening in Cape Town. Better known as uh, well, Pret-a-Manger means ready to eat. It does, um, yes. But it's known uh, by a, a short, a shorter name than Pret-a-Manger. Oh, it's, it's known as Pret. It's known as just Pret. It's known as Pret. Absolutely. You see there? I knew you knew it. Um, yes, it's on its way to South Africa. I hope it succeeds. I really do. I am a little concerned. Uh, I have concerns, put it that way. Lots of big international brands have been devoured and not in the way they wanted to be. The mining in Darba started in which year, Paul? Um, there, I'm going to give you three options. Was it 1994, 1996, or in the year 2000? The big mining in Darba in Cape Town began in which year? 94, 96. Ago, so it would be 94. Your maths has not let you down, Paul. Your mathematics has not let you down, absolutely. What is the illegal practice of obtaining something, usually money, through force or threats? You want to get something from somebody extortion. Paul, there's no there's no beating you. I'm giving up. I am capitulating. I am making you the whiz of the brutal quiz this evening. He's looking at us again. Extortion. Obviously, it's called extortion. That's what it is. That's extortion. But we were not being extortioned this evening. Uh, you are the Wizard of the Brutal Biz Quiz. We spoke to Hadman Bosman, and you'll hear him in the best bits of The Money Show coming up in a moment or six. He is a hostage negotiator and extortion manager. And when you've got a title of extortion manager, you've got to realize that there's a lot of this disease going around. There really is. Talking about his career and a really fascinating and quite terrifying world dealing with extortionists and hostage takers. And it's part of the highlights, of course, on our best bits after Eyewitness News, which is coming up at 7 o'clock. It's really worth listening to again if you missed it uh, and worth listening to for the first time. If you didn't hear it, and if you can't hear it after Eyewitness News, it's worth getting the Money Show podcast um, and listening to it there. That and everything else, of course, on the Money Show. So well done, for uh, Paul, for becoming the wizard of the Brutal Biz Quiz this evening. Uh, a quick fire round of answers from you tonight. I was going to ask, but kind of didn't want to ra- you to run the risk of losing out.
Um, Disney partnering with which company to build a games and entertainment universe? And the answer to that is the very popular Fortnite. Um, Disney and the Fortnite maker Epic Games are teaming up to build the, to build what's being described as an expansive and open games and entertainment universe. As part of the announcement, Disney revealed it's investing $1.5 billion to buy shares in Epic. Uh, the universe will allow consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. That universe. Now, maybe our competition commission, which is investigating practically everything at the moment, should be looking at what Disney is up to. Are we going to see too many of our characters appearing on the same screens at the same time? Oh, that would exclude lots of competition. Anyway, that is uh, the end of the Brutal Biz Quiz this evening. In a moment, we will be playing, of course, uh, some of the best bits from the week that has been here on The Money Show.